What's up, guys? This is the Front Design Podcast. I'm Mitra Kutumahanina. And I'm Ryan Srinivasan. And we are the two halves of Server Australian, an an independent game studio, video game studio. And we are making this podcast uh, so we can make other people's games hopefully better in the future by dropping some knowledge bombs given to us by the uh, one and only goat Richard Terrell himself uh, who is currently working on the designoriented.net it's a repository of game design and related info yeah so uh, we're pulling all this info from the critical gaming network game design 101 um, so each week we go through a, a part of that uh, blog and just explain it and then give you some examples and talk about some other news and stuff along the way. This week we're doing, we are, if you're going to follow along, we are going to be doing Mechanics and Abstractions Part 4. We're finishing up this section on Mechanics and Abstractions and on the, f- the following podcast we're going to be moving on to Interplay um which is a very interesting topic but before we get to that fun stuff we're gonna round out this section so mechanics and abstractions part four this week we're talking about a game that is on the nintendo ds it's called the world ends with you uh, and it's an action rpg so this game is a fourth tier uh abstract mechanic or abstract concrete mechanic uh what is that like a fourth tier mechanic <laughs> thing that we talked about okay. last time um sure. so it's a traditional rpg but it's got the additional action stuff in it um and in the past or the, the last episode we talked about how these generally don't work super well together because uh when they try to integrate these action elements they generally don't work super well and then it kind of takes away from the entire game uh and that's no different with this one yeah so the the battles are extremely abstract um, there's there's just way too much stuff going on in all of them. So uh, it's for the Nintendo DS. So there are two screens. If you guys are familiar with the DS, the bottom screen is a touch screen, and then the top screen is just a, a normal non-interactive screen. So the touch screen section. We'll talk about the, what's happening on the touch screen first. So on the touch screen, you have your stylus, and you're swiping and tapping to do different attacks, um, and all those attacks have the same reaction by the enemies so they're they're, they're gonna react the same way to all of these attacks so it's not gonna be very interesting gameplay uh all in addition the hitboxes are poorly defined so uh the 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 whole game kind of takes place in this semi 3d space uh so the the battles are kind of difficult to uh keep track of because uh, there's a lot of stuff going on and then enemies are kind of above and below you as well as to the sides of you and it just ends up being a really big mess um so you do have the swiping and tapping mechanics to attack but they also allow you to move the character so you have to touch and drag the character around and that ends up being really difficult to do with all of the on-screen things happening and uh the fact that it's a similar motion to what an attack would be in addition there's also a dodge mechanic which is pretty much the same thing as well as the attack and movement where it's just swiping um so it's difficult to do it 
and it also isn't reactive to how quickly you swipe. So if you swipe really quickly or if you swipe really slowly, it's going to be the same uh, movement or dodge. So the weird part about this is there's the top screen. <clears throat> and on the top screen, there's another player. So it's essentially you, you are the player on the bottom screen. And then there's also your partner, which is on the top screen. And so the top, the, the top screen is a series of buttons that you have to press in order. Um, and it's not dynamic because you either press the buttons correctly or you don't. And that determines whether or not you attack or you don't. In addition to the button attacks, there's also a card system where the player has to try to guess the correct order of cards. Um, there's, there's like a couple of cards at the top of the screen. You have to guess the proper order of them. If you guess incorrectly, it will give you a hint as to what the correct order is. If you, once you guess correctly, then you get a special attack. Yeah, it's just, uh, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, so you have these two separate screens, but they try to combine them in some ways. Uh, so you have two separate battles essentially going on, but the enemies between the two are paired up. So if you hurt an enemy on the top, it'll hurt the enemy on the bottom. Um, and then there's also a combo multiplier. So if you swap between the two players or you, you, know, you control them simultaneously and you do well at that, it uh, gives you a combo multiplier. Um, but it doesn't do a good job of unifying both of the experiences and it kind of makes everything worse. Um, and there's just, there's just way too much going on. So the combat is so complicated that the game actually allows you to have AI control the top character, the top screen character, uh, which is kind of ridiculous. Um, I, uh, it, yeah, it just seems strange that you would have an entire system and then you can opt to have AI control it. Um, but later on in the game, you do have to be good enough so that the AI, uh, like, you have to be able to do both screens because the AI isn't very good. So later on in the game, you have to be able to do both uh, to actually continue and beat the stronger enemies. So at the base of it all, the touchscreen attacks and the movement, those things are fine. They're good mechanics. But once you add everything else on top of those, those base mechanics, it just gets ruined. And so trying to master those base mechanics is rewarding in and of itself, but you have to then try and master every other system in the game. And so what happens is these abstractions just add a bunch of complexity, um, but don't really add any depth to the game. So what the result is not enough interplay between the mechanics and then there's not enough variation, so the user can't become creative. You either do it all in a very specific way or you fail. To further explain the abstraction in the game, there's also a food system. So when you're not in battle, uh, the, user, the player can buy and eat food uh, for various upgrades. And so when you eat food, the food must be digested, which I guess is kind of realistic, and then you digest a little more after each battle. But you can only eat so much 
for each actual like real time that you're playing for all the real time that you're playing and so the character stomach is affected and it either shrinks as you eat more and then resets and the character has likes and dislikes and this all this leads to different stats fluctuating and whatnot and excuse me it really it's a whole other system that is outside the main part of the game and forces you to think about something else and whatnot so just it's like another layer of of abstraction yeah it's there's just too much going on it ends up just just being way too complicated and it takes away from the overall experience and um yeah it's just uh, they they tried to do a lot of different different things to try to you know make it a, a good game or like a different game but in the end of the day it's just way too much going on um yeah so we'll end with a zinger from richard terrell himself the world ends with me too bad it didn't begin with concrete mechanics La 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 <laughs> No, it's funny. It's uh Yeah, it's, it's perfect. Yeah. Comedy gold right there. So this week, uh the cool mechanic, well, it's not necessarily a cool mechanic this time, but the interesting mechanic um is the Assassin's Creed 2 counter system. So I really like this game, Assassin's Creed 2 a ton. Um, but one issue I had was the combat system. So when you're fighting an enemy, you can get into what, like a blocking stance. Um, you just hold down the right bumper, you go into the stance, and then when an enemy attacks you, you have the ability to press a button to counter that attack. Um, so this was cool, but eventually you figure out that you can just do this counter uh, counterattack thing for pretty much anyone, and it'll automatically kill them. So it was just really, really powerful. And, um, yeah, you ended up pretty much just doing that repeatedly. Um, so I don't know if that's necessarily an abstract mechanic, but, um, I think it is, well, just a bad mechanic almost. It's just broken, you know, of, of mechanics kind of coming down to trial and error. So you, you pretty much just have to press this counter button at the correct time. Um, and then it would kill the enemies and it was just really overpowered and kind of reduced combat to just doing that one thing. Yeah, man. Mm. Well, you, you had the option to be more creative with it if you wanted to, but, uh, yeah, that was an option. You could just do that. It's like the noob tube of Assassin's Creed. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right. So we're going to move on to our AAA news of this week well not necessarily of this week but the triple a news we're going to cover this week and something that we found that ryan found is the crunch controversy that rockstar is involved in regarding red dead redemption 2. now allegedly the team some members of the team uh, have worked a hundred hour weeks to ensure the game ships on time and on target um, and the VP at Rockstar, basically, that's, I mean, that's what he said. I don't know if he said that as a joke or if that was for real, but regardless, 100-hour weeks is ridiculous to work on anything, much less games. Um, 
which I mean, to me is, uh, it's just like, I don't know what the issue was like for, for, for certain firms to do that, whether that's like scope creep or bad production, bad management or incompetent employees or just bad uh, estimations of like production time or I mean, there's many, many things that could come into play or there's just lots of pressure and the team had to take a break at some point or, I mean, like making games is not easy and it's not, a, especially at that level of what, there's like 50 man, 100 man teams or more at budgets of like $60 million to try and make games that are, what did you say the, the size of the game was? Uh, what, it was 100 gigabyte download? 100 gigabyte download. Like, I don't know. I don't know the last software that I've ever even seen that's over 10 gigs. Yeah, that's on. And this is flipping ridiculous that it's 100 gigabytes. So I guess <laughs> maybe they did have a bad estimation of how long it would take and how much work and man hours and, and whatnot, because that's a huge, it's a massive game. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I believe that that's possible, though, because I think, you know, a lot of games, they come out nowadays and they have first, you know, immediate patches for everything or they have a ton of bugs and things like that. So that doesn't really surprise me that that would be a thing. Um, what, I, crunch? Yeah, like crunch. Yeah, no, crunch is, yeah. Because yeah. these games are just getting bigger and bigger and um, they need to make it happen and they've got a lot of stuff to deliver on. So, yeah, and like yeah. broken games right away that are broken, that when they come out and they're broken, that, that doesn't do well for the life of the game. People are going to have a bad first impression and then they're not going to keep playing. No, I get the crunch. Like you have to, like now you have to crunch. But I'm just saying, like if you just overshoot your production time, like you give a release date that's far out, I think it's better to say it's going to come out sooner, having finished it, versus saying, "Holy shit, we need to crunch or we're going to be late." Because mm-hmm. I think didn't wasn't correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't uh, Assassin's Creed Odyssey pushed back the release date? Uh, that wouldn't surprise me at all. I'm, I'm so not- I, it may or may not. I think I read something, but either way, either way, like it came out probably being better for it, having been pushed back. Mm-hmm. But had they, I think it would have been even better. Maybe may, may or may not. If they said we're gonna we're gonna put this game out in two years and it comes out in a year and a half, I think that's that would be better. The fans would be like, I think personally, I'd be like, hell yeah, that's way better. Mm-hmm. It shows you maybe you guys, you know, overestimated, but then you came through and made a great game with no patches or needed right away, or it just came out great. And I think that's, I don't know, I think that's worth, maybe it's like, I don't know, maybe there's something with the business where there's like some cash flow issues where they need to put a game out every certain amount of time to meet certain objectives for the company. And yeah, which forces, you know, shorter estimates and then, yeah, uh, I I feel like crunch. I feel like something like that would be would be the case for Rockstar because mm-hmm. they you know they're making these Grand Theft Auto games which are also absolutely enormous. So, you know, they have to get this one done and then they can move on to the next Grand Theft Auto game or you yeah. know, LA Noir. They don't have any cuz they don't have any cash flow at the moment. They have nothing until well, I mean that stuff, but they're not going to have that big boost to make the next one until they've sold something. Mm-hmm. 
which it's all yeah it's Plus, i'm sure they're scheduled out for like the next 10 years of what they want to do yeah. what they want to release and all of that so i'm sure they have to keep to that schedule as well which to me is uh, it's absurd because you don't you, it's hard to guess what the next game will be uh in terms of estimating time because of the increasing like landscape of games like in five years i think ar vr will be completely different and we're gonna have to that's gonna be factored into games and the estimates and stuff and bids you made now is gonna completely change so yeah maybe it's a tentative 10-year schedule do you know what i mean so they have some schedule but i think they need to switch up the way their that structure works like really evaluate maybe it's running a thin line if you don't do it the way they're doing it now you know you're running a thin line between not succeeding as a company and then making games so i guess you have to do it this way but either way the hundred hour work weeks to me are absurd i mean i you know after calculating out my schedule after you know schedule out your eating sleeping and, and everything else like yes there's like still 80 hours left but that's after you've scheduled in eating sleeping and stuff like that if they're working 100 hours that means you're not eating or you're not sleeping or you're not working out or you're not do you know what i mean and that's yeah. just on a seven day schedule that's not on a like if you're doing that in a weekday schedule that's whew, that's ridiculous yeah that's brutal yeah, that's brutal and if you're doing that i i mean what do you think let's say they did it for one week a one week 100 hour that to me sounds reasonable that's fine mm -hmm. but to do weeks weeks of 100 hour weeks that sounds like three to four mm -hmm. you know what i mean like that's multiple weeks of not eating or sleeping sometimes ah that sounds miserable garbage yeah yeah but mm. all right so i feel like and i feel like for the way that we're stu our studio works i don't think we'll be crunching um most of the time yeah hopefully hopefully not hopefully not all right, so now we're going to move on to our indie game news. Okay, so <clears throat> uh, this is a, a little bit more of a mature subject matter. Um, it is a uh, text-based adventure game um, featuring Guinevere, uh, or what's his name, uh, Sir Lancelot and King Arthur, uh, where you basically play as Guinevere and then you get to... Um, make sweet love with whoever died <laughs> in this year, I guess. Um, and yeah, it's pretty darn impressive because it like, it's a text-based, uh, you know, role-playing type thing uh, where you get a bunch of different dialogue options, but this is one of the first times I've seen an asexual option instead of like you, you were encouraged to have sex with somebody and you can actively choose not to, which I think is really interesting. Because uh, I don't, I don't think I've played a game where that's an option. Uh, like you can just you, one of the one of the situations you're you're asked to, or you, you can have sex with King Arthur, but you can say that you aren't interested. Or, there's like ten different options. You can say you aren't interested. You are attracted to women, not men. You're not attracted to him. You're attracted to someone else. Uh, you want to withhold sex to gain power over him. Um, or you don't like that you're forced into the marriage um, and you want to take that out on him, uh, or you just generally say no. So, yeah, there's just a whole bunch of different options. I think that's really fascinating. Um, yeah. Mm, that sounds like a beautiful game. 
Yeah, I that, mean, uh, it's very graphic, <laughs> I think. Uh, <laughs> when does that come out? Because it's a text-based game. Um, yeah, it's... Let's see. I don't, does it say? I don't see a release. Is it already out? I would assume it's already out. Okay. Um, yeah, we'll put a link to that in the description. Yeah, the article. Take a look. Um, and uh, do some do some role playing. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that is the episode for this episode. You should tune in next week or next episode for the next chapter, the next article in the Critical Gaming blog, Game Design 101. Uh, where we'll talk about interplay and what that means in games, and we'll use Mario as the example. So, thanks for listening. Uh, we are on every platform of social media imaginable and more. Uh, to start off, the most important one is our Twitter, which is at CerberusTrilly2. That's C-E-R-B-E-R-U-S, capital T-R-I-L-L-I, number two. The number two, not like spelled out number two, but the <laughs> number two. Um, Insta, we're at Cerberus Trillion. Our snap is Sir Trill, that's C-E-R-T-R-I-L-L. We're on, we have a website, servicetrilling.com, but it's not currently filled with info yet. So if you go there, it's going to be really funky. Um, but go there anyway. Go there anyway. It's fine. Um, we're on YouTube at Service Trillion, uh, where we have this podcast and we'll have other content later uh, as our games are getting more and more finished. Um, we are, we will continue once, you know. Once we announce our game and there's some more uh, momentum, we'll have we'll continue our dev blog on Medium, uh, which is also Servers Trillion. We have a Facebook page. Guess what? Servers Trillion. Uh, we have a Discord. I think you guessed it. Servers Trillion. And at some point, I think uh, every now and then, intermittently, we will live stream on Twitch, um, and that is also at Servers Trillion. So catch us, catch us outside on our social media. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and we <laughs> and so uh yeah good episode cool yeah yeah see you guys see signing you. off peace peace oh jigs <laughs>